Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guest today is Tom Leininger. Uh, Tom and I are going to talk about his shift from the world of photojournalism to the world of art education, which has been a mix of full-time and part-time work, including uh, being a lab manager at the University of North Texas, uh, where he was also an adjunct instructor, teaching in a very large program where he was just one of many voices, uh, to moving to the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh as the primary lecturer there in photography, where his voice is the voice that kind of leads the program. And we talk about the differences in those roles. Uh, we also talk about Tom's challenges in staying active in photography and engaged in the art world, especially when you have uh, an overbooked <laughs> adjunct schedule or a full-time job. And you'll hear in, the, in this episode that Tom is very thoughtful about all of these things. And we talk about the influence of coming from a world of photography where you're interested in the description of facts and events uh, and then entering the art world where you have to start thinking about the ideas and the things that you really care about more personally. And so we have a nice conversation about his work as well. Uh, just a little bit of Tom's bio. Tom uh, was born in California, raised in upstate New York, educated in the Midwest. The bulk of his professional newspaper career was spent grinding it out every day at Indiana newspapers. And his current photographic interests lie within contemporary suburban life and the abstract idea of home. And again, he's currently a lecturer at the Department of Art at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. One of the things that we actually didn't get to is that Tom wrote book reviews for the Photo Eye blog for a good number of years, and those are linked on his CV, and his website is linked in the show notes. He also recently just provided a set of YouTube tutorials on using your camera for, I think it's the Photography Professor site uh, or group on Facebook. Uh, I'll see if I have a link to that. If not, I'm sure you could find it by searching for it. And I think that's been a, a real help for a lot of professors who were teaching remotely this past year and a half. All right, as you know, The Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly subscription service and a fantastic way to create or build upon your photo book collection. Uh, the latest book is Rauber by Josh Kern. And as soon as I receive that, I will do a video preview of the book. And it might be too late to join to get that book. But of course, if you do join as a member, you will get the next book and the, the print that comes with it, as well as the notes about the book. Uh, or you can just visit the shop and see what's still available. Rauber might still be there if that interests you. Just visit charcoalbookclub.com. My guest again is Tom Leininger, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Tom Leininger, thanks for uh, doing this today. It's great to be here. I think we've just this past year and a half seen each other a lot on uh, Zoom and virtual talks. <laughs> yeah, right? it, through the uh, uh, SPE Photo Fica thing, SPE, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Photo Fica. And then there was, um, what was the other thing? I don't know. We were on something else. Kai, well, we, uh, Kai, Kai, Kai did McBride. a, yeah, he did a few yep. Zooms, I think, saw him there. Right. <laughs> I was listening to... I've been going back and listening to some of these, and I think you said the podcast has been going on six years, and mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it had been six years. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And Kai was a, a co-host for a while there. Yep. Long-time fan, first-time caller, <laughs> as they say. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we start a little bit with um, how you got started in all this? I know you have also a, a history with uh, the newspaper business, and I definitely want to talk about that. But how did you get into photography? Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this and trying to remember one of the things. I think the first time I had a camera handed to me was at a family wedding, and it was my dad's Canon FTB. Mm. And I didn't really understand how the meter worked. And when we got the prints back, they were all dark. And he's like, I told you to put the circle over the line. And I'm like, what? You know? Uh, that sounds like the way I teach a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and trying to explain that to, to students is like, well, there's a circle and then the line and they're going to line up, you know? Uh, <laughs> it really is. And I don't know how that seemed logical back in the 70s, but... Uh, um, right. And not had like a like a little disc camera and a little 110 and all that, but just kind of started taking pictures. And we were going to uh, sports car racing up in uh, Watkins Glen uh, International. Oh, Watkins Glen, yeah, beautiful. It's it's really a kind of a wonderful, almost secret place. It, I mean, it it it, it really is, ahead, yeah. yeah. And we, I I was living, I grew up in Elmira, New York at the time, so that was only like 45 mm-hmm. minutes away. So we'd go and I'd take pictures of the cars and stuff. And over time, I started just kind of collecting, you know, lenses and all that. And then in high school, it became like, I want to take pictures more. And then <laughs> one day, uh, we were at an arts festival downtown and my dad met uh, a guy named Jeff Richards, who was the photographer at the local paper, who had a booth there and he's like, Hey, he likes taking pictures. Could he go to a football game with you sometime? He's like, sure. Call me, you know, starts this. And so I call him up like the Wednesday before the game and he goes, uh, you'll probably need about a 200 F two eight lens. I said, okay, not a problem. <laughs> and, uh, I think I got an issue. Sure, of just sh- have one lying around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd been working all summer and I'd saved uh-huh. up some money for a stereo and I decided to spend it on a lens kind of, <laughs> just on a whim and uh i went on the back of shutterbug i think and ordered it off of b and h and uh yeah. <laughs> i was like we're gonna need to overnight ship this because i need the lens by friday <laughs> little did i know i was setting a pattern for everything but uh that's right and then that just led to me kind of going out with f- different photographers from there just like every friday mm-hmm. night and then they had a boy scout explorer troop that covered little kids like rec sports done by teenagers and i said can i take pictures for this and they were like yes <laughs> because it was like that'd be one less thing i had to do and uh so i got into doing that and then it just sort of went off from there and i knew like at 15 that i wanted to be a newspaper photographer and i think in wow. so this is like the late 80s you know and that seemed viable at the time mm-hmm. started at uh so I did all that like through high school. I was also, you know, yearbook and uh, high school newspaper. And then my senior year, I got a different internship at the Corning Leader newspaper. And that was interesting because when I started, we were doing, we were printing uh, direct screens from color oh, wow. negative on like mm-hmm. vacuum. And then by the end of it, everything was being scanned. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it was like I'd yeah. kind of, in a way, I'd sort of stepped back a little bit because we had been making traditional prints and this was like direct to screen, which I was not very right. good at. And then everything was being scanned. So that was like 1990. So, um, yep. 
my that was a, a real turning point in the in the whole news business too with wire services right and cameras I mean, there was already the intro starting i guess the introduction of the the kodak was like 91 or something yeah like that, it had like a computer like on a yeah you had to wear the hard drive yeah <laughs> and uh i i remember being in a so i started at my college career is a little i started at west kentucky university which was a hardcore photojournalism school and uh i remember being in a class and a teacher saying do you think in your lifetime you'll ever use a digital camera and i was like mm, hmm. maybe if it gets small if it gets to like this size you know and i, I yeah. picked up like an eos one with a motor drive if it gets this size maybe <laughs> and we were just sort of like yeah i don't know you know but it was like I did black and white for a while, and then on an internship or something, I was handed a roll of color and egg, and there was like, now you shoot color. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I think I was in that generation that was marked by just a lot of innovation really quickly, and I never really yeah. sort of got into sort of like a... I don't know. I, I wasn't ever one of those like, oh, I always expose my black and white film like this, or I always do that. It was always just sort of like kind of whatever I had to do at whatever particular place I was at. Right. And I mean, I think that that in a way is kind of like informed sort of like how I teach a lot of like, I'm not really dogmatic. Yeah. I, well, I am. And I'm, I think it depends on what it is. I think I can mm -hmm. be on certain things and then I'm not on others. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was thinking about you know, your life in newspaper photography and, and how long approximately did that last? So I started, I mean, that was like my, that was like what I did all through high school. Here's how I kind of look at it, right? Mm -hmm. I worked for my, my dad was a veterinarian and he opened a dog kennel when I was about 13. So I'd have a summer job. I did that for a summer. I bought that lens and then I managed to like not go back to that. <laughs> he was like, well, job well done. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, like 88 was really when I was like, this is what I want to do up until I want to say, I think it was 2006 is when I left to go to graduate school. Oh, okay. So it's like, I graduated college in December 95. And so it was like December 90, like 96 to 2006. So it was a solid decade professionally yeah. every day. So um, you studied photojournalism. Yeah. And then for, for 10 years, you're... You were doing it. What? Who were you working for? What were you doing? So I, ironically, at the time, I, I only really ended up working for like three different companies because the Corning newspaper was owned by the paper, owned by a company that uh, was the paper I worked at for a year after college, uh, the Times mm -hmm. in Northwest Indiana. But they're now owned by somebody else. And then the rest of the time was spent with Gannett. Gannett was big in upstate New York at the time. Uh, the Elmira Star Gazette was actually the first Gannett newspaper. Oh, uh, wow. I did an internship at the Detroit News, which at the time was Gannett. So so not always in New York. Not always in New York, no. And then yeah. I ended up transferring to the University of Kansas, and I ended up working at the Lawrence Journal World, which was privately owned at the time. So hmm. Gannett ends up buying or starting USA Today? Uh, they started USA Today. And they did. Okay, yeah. Kind of like what they used to do is you could go work if you worked at a Gannett paper, you could go to USA Today for like three months or something like that. Oh, okay. And the guy that started this whole um, explorer program had like just come back from USA Today with this idea of like let's get kids involved. So I mean, mm. I really feel like in a lot of ways I'm a I'm a product of a time that is just 
no longer available, right? Because yeah. I ended up uh, working at the, so I graduated from the University of Kansas and I moved to Northwest Indiana. And it was like Hammond, Indiana, just outside of Chicago. So Gary, Hammond, like all around there, it's called the region. And I was like, wow, this is not like Hoosiers at all. A very industrial, <laughs> you know, if there's, if you own anything made with steel in America, it was probably made there. And uh, I was like, wow, I don't, this was crazy. But it was like, uh, they had three zoned editions and three bureaus and there were like 11 photographers and it was great. Uh, my boss at the time, Mike Zajikowski, he, uh, he was really just like, just be you. Every boss I've had that was just sort of like encouraging was like, you're here because of you. And you know, that's something that I've just kind of taken with me to, uh, to the classroom, really, mm -hmm. because I'm like, I'm just really interested in you kind of becoming you, whatever that yeah. is, right? I don't necessarily want yeah. you to be like me or anything like that. So then I got a job in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, which is kind of between halfway between Chicago and Indianapolis. Uh, West Lafayette is just across the river where Purdue University is. So it was a college town, 30,000 circulation, somewhere around there. And there were four photographers at one point, like three photographers and a photo editor. And I was looking the other day and now they're down to like five newsroom people total. And I was just like, Oh yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like when I, um, when I started teaching at Mercer and I was teaching the documentary class, I would take them to the Trenton times, uh, office. And the first time I, I took them there, there was a, a small staff, you know, but the second time I took them, just a year later, I think um, they had all moved out and there was maybe like two people there. And and it was it was such a hard, you know, it was supposed to be a tour for my students. And, and all, this person giving us a tour was so depressed. And it was just this like, um, this is where uh, we used to have uh, photographers and this is where we used to print the paper and this is where we used to. And I was like, oh, man, this is a museum tour. Yeah. This isn't a, there's no more tour here. When I graduated, it was... It was a um, like newsprint prices were high. Mm -hmm. uh, the internet was just coming around, but it was really sort of like I want to say maybe like the last hurrah. I think for the smaller paper, right? That mm -hmm. under a hundred thousand could still be seen as like a. I don't really want to say middle class because I know I wasn't. <laughs> paid all that well, you know, but it was sort of like, it was a life. You could get a life out of it, right? You could right. live somewhere. And I mean, I was all coming out of college. I was like, I'm going to be here for six months and then I'm going to go to some big paper and I'm going to do this. And then I'm staying there for 10 years and yeah. kind of really saw the advantage of being part of a community and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, what I wanted um, to, to get to also is, um, you know, how did that, I know it had an effect on on teaching because uh, we were you already hinted at that yeah. in terms of being flexible and things like that but um but in terms of uh your own work because then you you went off to grad school right and that was more of a, an MFA program or so i've been I, I bought a Leica M6 at one point in the late 90s from a friend of mine and he's like oh this is going to help you see right and i said yes yes it will right and <laughs> And I used it a little bit and then we went digital and then it just wasn't getting used a lot. And then I was just kind of using it to make my own pictures, right? I'd go somewhere, I'd make the kind of picture I felt like I couldn't get published. Mm. And then I started reading like, I don't know, I was getting all these like 
LFI or something like that. And I was seeing all this different work I hadn't really seen before. And so I started having this notion of like, you know, I make photographs that are like a simple declarative statement, but maybe I need to make a photograph that's more of a question. And I I feel like, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that was sort of like my mindset. And at the time my wife was working at Purdue and she said, Hey, maybe you should go to grad school. Maybe you should go look at Purdue and maybe you could go to grad school over there. I said, okay. And I came back and I said, I think I want to apply to grad school. I don't know if I'd get into Purdue or not, but maybe I can look. And, and then I started this whole big process. So in 2000, so that's like 2005, right? So Mm-hmm. 2005, where's a newspaper photographer going to go get an MFA? And because I don't have a BFA, I ended up graduating from the University of Kansas with a BSJ. And so I ended up getting into, I applied to a lot of places, but I got into Columbia College, Chicago and uh, University of North Texas. And I think I decided to choose summer over winter mm. and uh, kind of like a new location too. And my wife's from Texas. So it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's go have an adventure. So she left her job. Yeah, she uh, she's an educator, so uh, mm-hmm. she was able to get a job down there, and oh, okay. it all worked out. What's her name? Uh, Katrina Leininger. She's actually she ended up getting her uh, PhD while we were down there, and were oh, that worked out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was all it was all good. We ended up being there like thirteen years, mm-hmm. so you know it's you know how life happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that was like my idea, and I think. I think I was really naive a lot about it because I didn't really understand what art school was. And and maybe that was a good thing. But it, it really did kind of free me up into this. this I, I, I think about that idea now of like, oh, I want to make pictures that are more of a question. Uh, it still feels like something that's maybe a, a bit naive on, on my part, but it was it was enough to kind of get me started and get me thinking about work that I had maybe dismissed before. You were moving from uh, this kind of... Uh fact documentary style of work where it was uh, in the moment and based on a, mostly an event I imagine or a lot you know, of and yeah it had to des- describe things as uh, we used to call those the um, the meat and potato photos or the yeah the bread and butter right, photos yeah. or, right and you know gripping grins and all those things yeah. and you're saying uh, uh, work that um, that's more of a question that's you know I think what you're talking about is work that's more existential in some ways right work that's not necessarily describing facts, but describing ideas. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a, a better way to, uh, a more articulate way to to say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but how did um, you know, how did that whole world of of facts and documentary then, you know, affect or influence the work then that you wanted to make? Right? Was it? Was it more like a turning away or is, do you still see the sort of the foundation of that work in the work you do now? For a long time, I've said in my life, there's, I'm on this bridge, right? I'm on the bridge from journalism to art. And I think for a long time, I've been still on the bridge, right? I haven't quite fully crossed over. Now, when I teach, I'm, I'm clearly in art. When it comes mm-hmm. to my own work, I'm not maybe there yet a hundred percent yet because there's still I think a lot of these uh, muscle memories and such that I'm just maybe not willing to sort of let go uh, from maybe that's staging maybe that's how I uh, tone images things like that when I teach though I'll hear students say oh I can't do that that's cheating I'm like this is an art program you can do whatever you want (laughs) there's no one telling you 
you can't do that. I said, when I right. teach in photojournalism, <laughs> it's a lot easier for me, actually, because I can say, don't do that. Do this. Right. Crop that. Right. right. You can't do that. And it's easier. And I, I think a lot of it is I just realized that students kind of like being put into a little bit of a box at times because it kind of takes some of that. It The infinite freedom of my assignments seem a lot less than. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it helps them be able Absolutely. to accomplish yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's true. I, um, I teach documentary photo and I, all my other classes are more just fine art classes. And that, that's a big difference, right? And in the fine art classes, I always talk about pictures lying and that's fine and everything else. And, you know, we're, we're not worried about truth and facts in, these, in this work. And, and when I teach documentary photo, it's quite the opposite. Right. You know, when I was looking at your work, you know, one of the things that, that really jumped out at me was... It is really so much of it is based on memory. You, I think you you respond to actual things from your past, from your life, uh, in this work. Do you? How do you draw the the line, the difference between working from this idea of remembering, responding to things that uh, you know because it happened to you, and this idea of nostalgia that you mentioned in the work? Are they different, or how do you define nostalgia? Because I. I have my own very kind of negative definition of nostalgia. Every time I've taught and the idea of nostalgia comes up, if I'm in a classroom with a projector, I immediately dial up that Mad Men scene where uh, they're trying to sell Kodak on the idea of the carousel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I saw that without having seen the show the first time, right? So I didn't really Mm -hmm. necessarily understand everything that he talked about. But in that scene, uh, John Hamm as Don Draper says something like, you know, this is a time machine. It goes back and forward and takes you somewhere where you, you know, feel something. And so that had always been like in the back of my mind. And then I remember in grad school, we read something about how nostalgia got started. And it was this like painful homesickness. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, nostalgia is one of those words that's really loaded, I think, in the sense of it, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it really only means one thing. I think that how I tend to think about this, or how I tend to sort of like operate, I think in general, is is I've got to have a reason for sort of doing something, right? When I worked at the newspaper, it was easy for me to put the camera around my neck, go out and talk to someone I didn't know, get in their space and do whatever, because that was sort of my job. It was a lot harder to do at the beginning than it was at the end. And doing this idea of personal work has been a difficult thing for me because it's sort of like, you know, what's the, what's the, what's my goal? What's my point in this? What is the idea? Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things I struggled with in grad school early on is that my professors wanted me to put a label on it. And I wasn't quite willing to do that because to me, that seemed really limiting. Like I was looking at this idea of masculinity or public spaces and performance or, and I didn't really understand all that. And I was just like, eh, I just want to make really complex looking photographs and, and not put text with it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, what I found was I, in one of the summers between, it was a three-year program. And one of the summers I went back and photographed in my hometown. My parents didn't live there. I stayed with a friend and I realized I ended up kind of going around and looking at these locations that I had been taken to on errands and things like that and how the town had changed. And that was enough to sort of get me to sort of 
thinking about that to help kind of like moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then I've got, you know, this idea of like home and I don't know, I'm older, you know, like I went to grad school in my late thirties, right? So the idea of identity wasn't really like personal identity wasn't really like one of the things I was super interested in, but I think in a way, this idea of home or living in the suburbs or suburban life or things like that are kind of like a backdoor to that mm-hmm. without me feeling like I need to do something more performative, if that makes yeah. sense. I can sort of see connections in your work. I mean, you actually did a, a short, I think a short series on newspaper delivery, like yeah. <laughs> what the paper looks like when it's thrown at your house kind of idea so. when you find it. And, but I mean, obviously there's a connection to your life and that. And, yeah. and sidelines I found really interesting because it reminded me even of some of my um, uh, photojournalism days where you were always told, you know, it's not just the people on the podium, but it's the people in the crowd, right? Yeah. It's like, what's going on on, on the side? What's, you know, get get the, the meat and potatoes photo, get the people on the podium, get the uh, the speakers, get the event, but then turn around, right? Mm-hmm. Turn around and, and see what else is going on. Look for the humanity. And there's there's something in that those sidelines work that really reminds you of that, like looking for the humanity outside the main event. And then there's, a, I think, a really poignant uh, moving project you have called Sale Day, which is about sort of selling off the you know all the belongings of your grandparents right after your grandma after your grandmother moved to a facility a nursing care facility an assisted living facility right yeah um so my dad's from lancashire county pennsylvania and uh that's like the thing they do there which is they'll have they'll sell the house and whatever contents in a day in an auction and right uh, like an estate sale almost right yeah but it's it's all kind of like auction based though and it's just like part of life it seems it's just like part of the i don't know it was just part of like the ingrained thing and my my grandfather had been a uh, sewing machine repairman for Mm -hmm. the amish and mennonite so he had a lot of connections in the area and all that so uh, i went back and just sort of like documented that day and that was one of those things again it was one of those like in between happened in the summer between grad school and it was one of those things where it's like i did it and then i just kind of set it aside and ended up using that as a um made a small artist book uh later on in grad school from it um but yeah it's uh the idea of memory and home and kind of like suburban life i think is is probably what kind of drives me the most and i think if anything mm-hmm. I've been really trying to force myself to kind of not make everything people-based, right? Is it, you mm-hmm. know, I ask myself, am I able to make a photograph without a person in it and feel like I can believe in that image? Yeah, that's coming from those the journalism, yeah. right? And yeah. um I can I can see a picture. I can I can see an interesting picture in seemingly nothingness. And that really doesn't help me be able to be a, <laughs> a photographer really at all in the sense of the expectations of what I'm expected to do, which are series of photographs based on some sort of idea made over time, if that kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, uh, no, I can like kind of string things together and, and all that, but uh, trying to make that series of photographs based on you know, whatever is, has been a challenge for me in a sense, especially trying to reach beyond uh, what it was 
uh, I've had been doing. Yeah. So, you know, I want to um, transition us over now to teaching. Sure. Because uh, this is part of the teaching series. And, and you've brought it up a few times. And, I mean, I can see how, how some of these things and, and the way you work uh, influences your teaching. But uh, in terms of you having a, a teacher or a mentor, who do you think of? I've been kind of thinking about this. You know, it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, do I say all these names? There's a lot of people that I've learned. From. I've been lucky. I've I've had a lot of mentors over time, and there were a number of photographers that taught me early on. There's some that I've stayed in touch with. Uh, one guy, Bill Warren, who I worked with at a newspaper, he taught me how to print really more than anything else, you know, and taught me, you know, what a photograph could be. And then he'd yell at me whenever I couldn't. We had to put pica tape on the edge of the oh yeah i was not good at that (laughs) and he's like maybe you're just not good enough to be here and he'd like get up and walk away (laughs) that that classic and i'm like i've got to work harder you know um but i i realized there that that was just sort of like that that tough love can work right now i had Mm -hmm. i've also experienced some like that times 10 and that didn't necessarily work I was lucky that I was able to work with uh, Rich Clarkson for a while, who had been a longtime newspaper photographer and eventual director of photography at National Geographic, you know, and he taught me a lot of things about just how to, like, operate as a photographer in a newsroom and the importance of, like, having ideas. It's not just about what you can make a picture of. It's like, what's your idea for today? Like, what are you bringing Mm -hmm. to the table today? And you better have something tomorrow, too. But also that idea of like, it doesn't have to be, you know, if you're able to sort of like get somewhere where no one usually goes, that's going to be better. That was probably the thing I sort of took from him. In graduate school, I worked with uh, uh, Dornith Doherty, who's still there at UNT, does a lot now with seed banks and environmentalism. And she really helped me kind of focus on what it was I was trying to say. And... Hmm. I appreciate that really more than anything else because I feel like there's this idea of it was the thing it was like that that thing I was I was like I'm just trying to make a que- I'm just trying to have photographs make a question and I thought mm-hmm. that was enough and uh it wasn't <laughs> but uh. <laughs> that's okay you know I mean that's it's you know if it was easy mm-hmm. why do it yeah yeah I think with teaching I really thought about like all these different interactions that I've had, both positive and negative, both in classroom and newspaper, you know, small town newspaper photographer has to learn to talk to non-visual people and convince them how to run something that they run a picture maybe that they don't understand and how it tells the story and all that. And I think that 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 ability along with, you know, just trying to, convince people that the picture I was going to make was okay, really helped me learn how to talk to people. And I think mm. that that understand, you know, meeting, you know, and I think my wife has probably given me the most on this because she was a, a reading recovery teacher for a long time. And, and her answer was always, well, it depends on the kid, right? How you handle this depends on the kid. And I think that I've realized that if there's 19 people in my class, I've got to come up with 19 different ways Hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully it's only 19 <laughs> uh, to solve the problem and get them to be able to, you know, make a photograph, do something they didn't think mm-hmm. they could do by the end of the semester. So Yeah. Well, you know, you have also have a, 
a unique perspective too because um I think you you're currently an adjunct instructor, right? Adjunct professor? Uh yeah, I'm a lecturer so I'm on a, a yearly okay. contract. Yeah. But I I've done the adjunct dance for right. 10 years. Well, you were an adjunct in uh in Texas? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and now yeah, you're at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Oshkosh, yeah. And then you were also a, a lab manager a facility manager right uh, yeah for i ended up um, photography program so i was an adjunct and then at unt university of north texas where i went to grad school i was able to get the uh, lab manager job mm-hmm. and i would like teach a class there too so right the, the delicate balance of having one of the lab workers <laughs> in your class <laughs> in your mm-hmm. you know is just sort of like hey you know this is different than when we're in the lab. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I learned to really kind of just talk to students in sort of different ways and, and see things, I think, in a, in a way that was experienced students that was different than just being in the classroom, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Kind of like making a space for them to be able yeah. to work. Well, the other thing you get to see as the person in the lab and the person in the classroom is what other faculty are instructing their students to do, right? Yes. <laughs> in a very direct way. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good, right? And sometimes it could be a, there could be a little bit of a conflict, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that... Um, I think what I take from that is I've, I've never been the biggest fan of alternative processes, but the thing I always liked about cyanotype is I could always tell where someone's been. and uh i'd be like this is blue and you were here and this is now blue (laughs) uh they're like no that wasn't me i'm like you were the only one here and it's blue (laughs) oh like the exploding dye bag in a in a bank robbery (laughs) so uh it was it i think the biggest thing i i took from that is uh the school was lucky they had a, an addition built on their new building and I got to experience the process of like moving facilities and then like improving facilities and going through the mm-hmm. whole construction process and all that and uh, deeper understanding of how um, college economics works. Oh yeah, because you're also involved in budgeting yeah, and everything else. And all That's that. right, so, yeah. I think the biggest challenge for me and so we moved to Wisconsin because my, uh, my wife got a job at the university and I didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do, actually. And I ended up, a person left two weeks before school started, and I got a position. It was just sort of one of those things where I was like, I guess it's time for me to move on. And then hmm. she came home and said, they're looking for somebody to teach photography. <laughs> I'm like, but, but I just decided I'm moving on. And they're like, but, <laughs> but here's this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so... I went going from a place that had uh, the College of Visual Arts and Design at UNT is quite is I think the biggest art program in Texas. There's like a oh, wow. thousand students in all the disciplines, and we mm. would regularly have about 180 students going through the lab on a given semester. Wow! Yeah, that's a good size. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I was a voice amongst many, and I was sort of the voice of sort of like. If this is, I can't seem to get this to work. How do I fix this? Or, you know, here's your printing bill. You need to pay your printing bill. Or, <laughs> you know, let's learn about lighting today. I played a lot of different voices. Uh, so I come here and I'm one in a mm. small program. And 
all of a sudden I was like, uh, what do I do? And then I was just sort of like, okay, so I just make the space like welcoming so we can work and then, you know, we'll do this. And then it's like, this is HC 110, you know, it's, I've used D76 uh, ratios. I've never been good <laughs> with ratios. Uh, <laughs> And all that, you know, and then it's like, okay, I can do this, right? And it pretty much I fall into the routine of like, you know, we're going to, you'll be printing and you'll come and you'll show me your print and we'll go back. And that's what class is going to be once we get to that point. And initially it was a little disconcerting to be like, I'm the voice now. And, and mm -hmm. I always felt confident. I've always felt confident in the classroom. And I sort of enjoyed being maybe the counterpoint a little bit. And now I'm the voice and it's, it's taken me this fall will be year three. So started in 2019. Right. So that was all in person. And I was just kind of like getting my feet wet and all that, you know, and then COVID. And then this past year I went all back in person because our facilities allowed really for people to be there. That's good. Uh, so I don't know what this semester is going to be like. I'm trying not to think about it yeah. too much. We're all um, we're all wondering now. We all thought it was going to be full in person. Now it's, yeah. it feels like there could be some uh, pulling back on that. I think, yeah, I don't know. Here in Wisconsin, they're all about in person. And which mm -hmm. is, I'd rather teach photo, you know, our photo one is uh, black and white film, 35 millimeter. Photo two is a digital class. Uh, photo three which is the class they can take more than once is up to them more often than not that's digital. And then I teach a couple of foundations of digital art classes, which is like your Photoshop Illustrator intro class, kind mm -hmm. of. And uh, that can be done online somewhat successfully. The challenge yeah. is, you know, everybody's got a different computer and finding something Cameras and computers, yeah. that's the challenge of um, uh, remote digital photo teaching. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of it, like I just sort of fall back and kind of just sort of trust myself that I've been an adjunct, I can do this. Uh, but it's like, okay, so what's, you know, what do I think photo one is? Well, what were some of the sort of changes you think you made, like directions you think you took the program in? I'm very much a camera person. We're going to use a camera. You're going to get the camera on the first day. I'm going to show you how to put film in it. And we will start talking about metering for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and <laughs> we have, we actually have cameras and we have a lot of different cameras. So mm -hmm. that's kind of Same. a challenge. Yeah. Um, I do a, like a, a light assignment and then I do a, well, COVID kind of forced me down to, I think about four assignments, right? So this past year we did like kind of a light assignment, just sort of like, go look at light, right? Think about light. And then that's the way we can start talking about composition. And then there's a kind of like a narrative assignment, but I, f I frame it in this idea of like narrative through the lens of like wide, medium, and tight, right? So you want an overall, you want a medium, and you want a, and a tight, which is, you know, sort of not surprising that I would do that. And then the, the assignment after that is what I call a motive. And I think that's my favorite one because it's really hard to describe. It's really hard to come up with examples, really. I, I try not to show a lot of different examples because I want them to sort of solve it on their own. And then I've been doing this sort of, you know, like seasonal transition thing. I live in a place where there's visible seasons. So it's sort of like, hmm. what's a seasonal transition look like to you? Which kind of follows after that emotive that I think works really well. 
Well, what kind of results do you get from that assignment that, that makes it one that you I think it, like giving? I think it works well because it's, it's later in the semester. They've kind of solved a lot of technical things. I, I show, so I'll show like Mark Steinmetz. Mark Steinmetz has what I'll call some emotive images and Sylvia Plahi. I think that those two, I think kind of, I think are kind of good examples of that. Where it's still, you know, I'm like, look, you can do whatever you want. If you wanted to create a little thing and set it up and take a picture of that, you could do that. If you want to go out and look at a landscape or, you know, there's some place that's kind of creepy, uh, you can do that. Trent Park's another one that I show. They, the students have responded really well to him. They like, they like his work because it's like dark and mysterious. And, you know, they, they kind of like that. And it kind of sort of becomes that. And they'll go and they'll explore some place and make some pictures they didn't think they could. And I got a student come back and she was like, oh, I was in this abandoned greenhouse. And then these two foxes showed up. And she had these pictures of these two foxes just standing there. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, I never would have expected that from this mm -hmm. assignment. I really try and come up with assignments that I can't really sort of, if I see something immediately, I'm like, okay, I got to change it, you know? Mm -hmm. It sounds like a, a nice open-ended assignment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I try to, I don't know. I mean, I've done the, okay, now you're going to come up with an idea and express it in like six pictures. I try and keep it within like, I don't know, three. Our students, I get a lot of graphic design students they can choose like a major in 2D and have an emphasis, but there's not as many people doing that and choosing photo. So it's a lot of people from a different major. Yeah. And then there's some random students from campus that will email me and say, can I take this class? And I'll say, yes. And they mm -hmm. do really well too, because it's sort of like they're not burdened with everything that they've learned in art school and are mm. willing to take a risk that right. others aren't. And that, my, my goal is always, I want you to make something you didn't think you could do before. Mm -hmm. This past semester, the darkroom class, I think, was the first time ever no one had had any darkroom experience. Oh, like, wow. Usually there's at least one or two people. This was like right. none of it. So in four, our semesters are 14 weeks. I managed to get them to be able to, by the end, they could come in and process a roll of film and make a print all in the same day. And I'm like, look what you just <laughs> did. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, as a an adjunct and now a, a lecturer, you know, what what are your feelings about the these positions where they're, you know, you're it it's a constant renewal, we're not talking about tenure. Uh I know and in, in, I think in some of the talks we had on Photofica, you expressed some opinion about being an adjunct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh you know, it kind of is what it is. Um there are times where when I hear everything my wife has to go through to get tenure at everything, that seems, I mean, it's a lot, I'll be honest, it's a lot, e having a year contract is a lot easier. Um, mm. But it's, you know, at one point when I was working in the lab at UNT, I was teaching one class in the art program at UNT, I was teaching one class in the journalism program, and I was teaching two classes at a different school. And I was like, I am really tired. <laughs> and I felt, and I think at that time too, I was writing some uh, book reviews too. And I just felt like empty at the end of it. Because if, if I've learned anything, is that when you're that busy going through this grind, it's really easy to stop making work. Or it's really mm -hmm. easy to be passive about making work. Or it's really easy to say, 
oh, I, I don't have anything ready. I'll put that in the next group show thing I go. And then you realize that was three years ago. Mm. And I mean, I think that's the thing that no one really talks about. I think in a way that's been the hardest thing for me to sort of deal with, you know, cause you know, I've got two teenage sons and, um, <laughs> you know, in life and it's real easy for that to get caught up in the teaching and caught up in the 40 hour a week job. And then you're just like, I don't have, you know, that newspaper started as an Instagram thing of me carving out five minutes every morning of me trying to make a different picture than I made the day before and just hoping that would spark something. And I did it for a mm-hmm. year. And I, part of the inspiration of that came from the opening of The Sopranos when he walks down to get the oh, newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, in my head, I'd hear that song every morning, and you know, but, um, and this pandemic kind of helped, right? Last summer I, I went through and I looked at a lot of work and just sort of like took, right. took stock here. of what I had and organized mm-hmm. my Lightroom catalog a little bit. And yep. <laughs> that's what I did. Um, <laughs> actually made like two backups when I'm always like, like you should have two, three backups. You know? I have two. Yeah. Um, two. Yeah, yeah. And at one point in the semester, uh, the program was gifted a uh, Pentax six, seven, and I'd never really used medium format. And I was like, Oh, I got to test this camera out and everything. And I made a series, you know, just some pictures when I was out walking the dog and thinking about sort of like this idea of this seasonal transition almost, that I've been having students do. So I've been kind of starting and I've started a new series that kind of grew out of um, this assignment that I'd had from the aspect of like, if I believe in this assignment enough, then I can make these pictures. And I think it goes back to that idea of, you know, can I get away from things that are not people oriented? It's still kind of within the realm of, I think of what I've been looking at too. And that's actually, for the first time in a long time, I've actually felt pretty good. Like, creatively, I feel like I'm mm. doing something. And That's great, yeah. But I think the biggest thing that can happen, and I think if I was 28 and not married, I think it would be different. But I think as an older person, you know, it's real easy to stop. Mm-hmm. And it's real hard to start again. And it's real easy to just kind of keep going through the motions and, you know, oh, I need to document some pictures and, you know, do all this. And how does this camera mm-hmm. work again? You know, and how did I do that in Photoshop? You know, it's like I can I can do what I have to do for class, but like to, to make something that I believe in again, that's been the hardest part for me. And I think that that yeah. is the, I think that that's the trap for adjuncts and I you know, I was in this tech job for six years and there were a lot of techs at the school. Like every medium had a tech essentially. And we would talk about it a lot. Like we all, it was a common experience of like, how do I do this? And, but you know, that's not the thing that you hear a lot. And I'm, yeah, if I'm going to, say something out loud to my friends, I might as well say it on a podcast too. So, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's very important to not stop. Right. And right. you know, that's a harder thing to say than I thought it would be too. Cause in my head it sounds, <laughs> it's, no. it's not, but I, it's I, like I, I admitting it. to yeah. it, essentially having stopped for a few years has been, um, 
it's been hard and you know yeah. but it's you know you can sort of overcome it and i was talking to a friend of mine or we were i sent a friend of mine some pictures and he said something like oh at one point you said you had stopped and you had kind of not cared that you stopped anymore and i was like ooh i'd forgotten i'd gotten to that point <laughs> so uh it's important important to have a support system yeah it's a real struggle um especially if you are isolated the support system is is super important um and i yeah i have friends who have quit yeah yep you know getting um getting that uh inspiration to keep going or that energy to keep going is has a lot to do with also what we're our goals are right like mm -hmm. what do what's the point what are we doing is it are people seeing the work, right? Am I making this for people and are they seeing it? And am I getting, what's the response and all those things? And then am I doing it enough for myself where that is enough to keep me going too? It's a, such a balance because, you know, we we all want people to see the work, right? <laughs> uh, I think, yeah. anyway. And uh, and it's, yeah, that's a really, it's a real struggle um, to get that balance. And then I like the way you kept saying, um, work that I care about because that's also a really tough part about um, you know keeping yourself going because at a certain point I know I felt like I was just repeating myself and I thought I'm, this is just a rut you know this and then I realized there was something to that as well like I, there was actually things that I still cared about and that's part of why I was repeating myself too but then how do I do it in a way that I'm still interested in just in a way that I still feel uh, connected to it, right? Totally. And I think that it's interesting when I kind of um, think about the parallels of, you know, in journalism, there were certain things you needed to do, right? If you, if you were one of the people that just kind of did daily assignments and didn't kind of go beyond, you were going to end up being somewhere sort of stuck. Uh, mm -hmm. If you didn't work on your off hours on some passion project or something like that, that's really always what was going to, you know, get you to move on and all that. And, but there was sort of like a certain rhythm to it all of like, I could work 40 hours and I could kind of turn it off if I wanted to. And it wasn't the end of the day because I was going to get up and I was going to go make pictures the next day. I think with teaching, I found that there is no turning it off. Um, no. <laughs> especially when it's sort of like you get thrown something, you know, I missed the pivot to video, I left right before the pivot to video, but then I was handed a video class one time and they're like, mm. okay, so now I've got to figure out video, you know, and, <laughs> uh, or I could kind of light, but it's sort of like over time, they're like, why don't you teach us lighting class? I'm like, okay, you know, and it's just like, I got to figure this out and I got to look for I, examples absolutely. and I got to, yeah, or, you know, you can teach illustrator, you know? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, How many summers have you uh, learned something new to teach it? I've done that. Yeah. And <laughs> it's always like, I'm always looking for like, oh, I need that example for class. I need this example for class. Mm -hmm. I need, you know, and I think that, and then it's just sort of like, okay, so what am I interested in after all of that? And I look around and I, I look at my books and, you know, books are, books are a very important part of my experience with photography. And I'd cleaned actually a lot of books out because I had, I just felt like I, they mm -hmm. just kind of, again, it was sort of like that idea of like, I've got all these books, but I don't really look at them. But I uh, look and it's just, it's still, it's like a very 
documentary-esque approach that I go to. And that's okay. And I really try and stress to my students that I don't want them to photograph like me. Uh, I want them to, you know, do what they want. But I think that in art, it's kind of like, it's a very similar sort of, I don't want to say grind, but, you know, you get a series, you then shop the series to galleries and then you keep working on it and then you do a book mock-up and then you maybe do a zine and then you know you develop your audience and then you uh, crowdfund it and then hopefully Mm -hmm. and and in a lot of ways it's like almost more overwhelming if (laughs) if I think about it because it it is like what is this idea of success right is success getting like a tenure track job because if you get the tenure track job that's not guaranteed and that's not um that doesn't not guaranteed fulfillment right it's and it's also um kind of locking you in too right you have to really know that that's what you want to keep doing i think it's one of those things where I've always sort of pushed back against whatever my expectations are because I don't necessarily want to be put into a particular box kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that always hasn't worked out well for me, but you know, that's, I think that's part of who I am. But then there's also sort of like eventually come to this. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, I was at, they used to have this thing called the Northern, the flying short course, the National Press Photographers Association do that. They essentially, it'd be a conference. They would fly four different places to. And I went to one and Eli Reed was there. And I was just like, oh, you know, I really wanted to meet Eli Reed. And I talked to him and I showed him my pictures. And he leans in real quiet. And he goes, here's the thing you got to do. Learn their rules and then learn how to use their rules against them. (laughs) And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And and then he showed this picture. He showed pictures and he was just flying through the pictures, but he showed this one picture and talked about it for I want to say like 5 minutes, but it just flashed up there quickly and I've never been able to find it again. But he's like, mm. I had to photograph this guy who just got really rich. And it's like, how do you photograph someone who just got rich all of a sudden? He goes, so I put the sun behind him. <laughs> I'm just like Severe backlit with a, oh, that makes sense. But I've never been able to find that picture, but it was like this, this burned into my skull. Like that inter- that one interaction uh, just kind of burned into my skull. And I think in a way, I eventually kind of get there, right? But I just thrash against the rules until I'm finally like, oh, now I figured out how to use them sort of like against, <laughs> the, you know, but... I think the I think the thing that I'm also realizing now is that like COVID has kind of changed things in a way that I don't really understand yet of like this mm-hmm. whole idea of no none of us do you know what's the future of like what's mm-hmm. the future of art what's the future of you know and when I say art I'm not talking about um, like I live in Brooklyn and <laughs> I'm talking about like I live in the middle of America and I'm mm. trying to play the academic art game. Like, mm-hmm. and what does that look like? And it's a, it's much like working at a university. There's a lot of questions, but you never know who to ask for the question until you realize <laughs> right. you just made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Did I miss anything? Was there something coming up you wanted to talk about or? All right, so you've got this. You've been asking people what a pro tip is, and I, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, do have right. a soapbox yeah. if I can stand right. up for a second. 
So when I was a newspaper photographer, I got called my photographer a lot. The writer would say, oh, my photographer is going to take the picture now and they're going to do this. I'm like, am I? Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So (laughs) my thing is I've really stopped using possessives around my students, right? You say, oh, I had this student who took a class one time. I don't know. My thing is, is I try not to use possessives when talking about students. So maybe we can start making that a thing. (laughs) It is a habit, I know, and I'm probably, again, I think I'm like carving out a little niche for myself. And so, how would that? What would that look like? Like, what's so? I mean, I've talked to people, and they'll say, "Oh, I have this graduate student," and I'll be like, "Oh, there's a graduate student in your program." Oh, you know. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a that that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't not know. To be it's possessive. A, yeah. It's a yeah. My wife's like, I don't understand this. <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then I'll get on Twitter and um I'll show some some thread of all these former kind of like newspaper photographers and they'll be like, Look, they all agree. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's very. I think it's. Uh, but I can see that. I can see that in the industry when you say, "This is my graphic designer. Yeah. This is my photographer. This is my writer." That, yeah, that could be. They feel a little demeaning. Yeah. I think that, like, words matter, right? I think if anything, mm-hmm. in the last year, we've learned that words, the words we choose, are quite important. So mm-hmm. I feel like if we can let go of this possessive, I think that can be a good thing. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, well, I'll see you at the next meeting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin-Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.